Hi, I'm Ali Maldro, the host of A Public Affair on Tuesdays. You can listen to this show any day of the week, any hour of the day on the WORT smartphone app or on wortfm.org. If you love what you hear, click that donate button and support community media. Your donation makes a huge difference. Six foot six above sea level. I grab my mic because I like to take it to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. We bring the truth to places truth is never heard before. We bring the Good afternoon, Madison. You're listening to WORT 89.9 FM. I'm your host, Ali Muldrow, and I am joined by my fave. Maya Pearson, Vice President of the Board of Education. How you doing, Maya? Yo, what's up, y'all? I'm good. I'm good. Um, we are we're in here today and we're energized and it's pledge week and we're about to, you know, raise some funds for WORT 89.9 FM. We're asking you to give by calling 608-256-2001 and then hit one. We'll patch you through. We've got some great folks who are waiting for your call. They'd love nothing more than to accept your donation. We are listener-sponsored community radio. Earlier this year, Madison Ballet announced that John Malik would set up as the company's interim executive director. John Malik is joining me in the studio to talk about his new role, his vision for Madison Ballet, and the career that led him to Madison. Welcome to the show, John Malik. Thank you for having me. How's your day going? It's going great. It's busy, but um, really great. You have have done a a lot of work in cultivating yourself as an artist and investing in the art of other people. How'd you get started? Where does where does the story start for you? Oh, gosh. Um, Cultivating and investing in other people has come out of my lack of that in my life as an artist. Mm. So I started in the arts, I guess, being inspired by Michael Jackson when I was very young child, I won't say how old, Um, (laughs) but seeing Thriller and just being thrilled by what I saw on TV, I thought just the dancing and the way he moved and the dancers around him was just amazing. And I learned the dance and started doing it like every day um, to the point that my neighbors were like, please take that little boy somewhere and let him learn something else because we were tired of seeing Thriller. (laughs) And um, yeah, and then my family kind of just took me to some classes here and there, nothing serious, you know. Um, and uh, just got on a journey of dance and finally saw an opportunity when I saw a reflection of myself in a performance and was like, oh, ballet, that's what I could do because I fell in love with it, but I was just like, I'm a little black boy and like, you know, I don't think it's a career for me. So when I saw the person on stage who looked just like me, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the dream of a lifetime to know that this could be a possibility for my life and I've been on this journey ever since, so. Do you remember the first people who were like, "Well, you really got something. You could really, you could really take this. You could build a career out of this. You have a gift." Who, who were the folks who, who recognized you were, you were talented, and yeah, that dance it, was, was where you should be? It was um, definitely a woman named Kenya Woods, who I call my aunt Kenya. Um, she was the first one that really set me up for this life okay um, aunt kenya she, yeah she saw she saw the potential in me i mean i would i auditioned for my um school by doing if by janet jackson <laughs> and you know i don't know if you know that video or know that dancing it's a little raunchy <laughs> but she was just like it was oh my god it was straight out of fame if you've ever seen the fame movie yes i have when leroy was in there dancing and debbie allen was like Oh my, you know, she was wild. That's how Kenya was for me. She was just like, the way you were moving, you were musical, you had coordination, your passion, you were just in your moment. And she was like, I just, I know that this could be a career for you. So I'm going to push you. And she did. I I think, you know, I've, I've talked about this on the air and me and Maya have definitely talked about this because Maya has a child who's a talented and gifted dancer. Mm-hmm. We're both on the board of education. Um, dance is not incorporated into yeah. education. There's yeah. not a single school in America where children dance every day. I would like to change that here mm-hmm. in Madison. And I'm wondering, you know, what you're hoping to bring to to our community as, you know, as as a black man, as somebody who is is you know, teaching folks how to dance and how to embrace ballet and who Mm -hmm. all can be included in ballet. What does that mean for the greater community of Madison? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm new here, been here seven months. I'm still learning about the entire Madison, Dane County, as they say, (laughs) area. Um, But just from 
uh, instant observation is diversity, you know? I think there's definitely a community here, but I don't think they know of all the possibilities that they have outside of what they may be used to, you know? So I think my whole goal in life is just to make sure that ballet, since that's the art form that I'm in, is accessible to everyone and to make it, you know, equitably equitably viable for everyone and not to feel like, oh, this is just for this group or that group or I could never become or never be because it's like, no, there's infinite possibilities within many art forms and many career choices. Um, I think for us as black people, we automatically get lumped into sports, music, rapper, singer, that kind of thing. And no one thinks that what can ballet do, something a, a classical art form can do. But I'm like, look at me. I grew up in a, a impoverished community. I did not grow up with money. My family scraped by to get by, you know. And this career has taken me all over the world. I mean, look at me. I'm sitting here as the artistic director of Madison Ballet, you know, and now the executive director of, our, of, of a major ballet company. I'm one of four. <laughs> one of four black people in America doing this now yeah do you know the other three yeah do you call them up of course like, hey. <laughs> absolutely we i just saw one of them who just got appointed to pittsburgh ballet theater um adam mckinney last week in toronto um and just to put some perspective on that there's over 150 to 200 ballet companies in america there's a lot of ballet companies here ranging from big mid to small um, we're on the small side which is perfectly fine we're, we're gonna rise up <laughs> but I'm, Small I'm saying, and mighty. That, yeah, I'm saying that to say, like, I'm one of four, you know, and how long did that take? And I'm talking about specifically ballet companies that were not founded by black people. So not Dance Theater of Harlem, not Alvin Ailey, not Complexions, um, Contemporary Ballet, not Lines Ballet. These were all formed by people of color. Um, the I'm talking about taking the realm and the reign of a company that was founded by white people with the idea in mind that this is for white people. Mm. when in actuality it's for everybody. I think, you know, part of what you're you're touching on and part of the reason I'm so glad that Maya is here with me today to, to one, like, you know, talk about what it means to support WORT, but two, just to have an important conversation amongst, you know, black folks about, like, what it means to be the first person to integrate mm. a space. And so you're one of, of four across the country but you are the first black person to have this leadership role in yeah. our, our community. Maya, as a, you know, a black person who is, I wanna say you're the third black woman on the Board of Education. There's been four, so oh, wow. we have that number in common. Yeah. <laughs> um, and three of them are serving together on the board right now. Wow. Um, and so, you know, thinking about kind of that, that history, what, is it, what does it mean to you to be able to have this kind of conversation and to be able to support WORT while you do it? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we both grew up here in Madison um, and being black in Madison, not local seeing... Local girls. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right, a local. Um, not seeing many black people in positions of power or just in positions um, that take over the space mm -hmm. and we can be like, oh, yes, yes, I see that. I can be that. It sometimes was interesting because it's almost like foreign. Mm -hmm. Like you see people like in Chicago or Milwaukee or New York, but not in our but own community. Your, yeah. yeah. So to see you assume that position and take over, I, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm over here beaming. <laughs> we're, we're very excited about this conversation and you should be too. And part of the way you can show that excitement is by giving us a call at 608-256-2001. Um, you know, and and then donate. And small donations do big things. Uh, so give what you can. But we would we would love it if you help us keep the lights on here at WORT. If you make sure we continue to have equipment. Um, this is a, a team of folks who is small but so mighty and so passionate about making sure we get to have thoughtful, inclusive, intentional conversations. Um, so if you want to support us in doing that, all you got to do is call 608-256-2001. Um, you can give, you know, Jamalika shout out. You can, <laughs> you can say, what's up, Maya? No. You can say, Ali, you're looking really cute in that red sweater today. Like whatever <laughs> you need to, to do to feel like you're you're supporting what we're doing. Um, but we, we need you to give and we're asking you to give. So please give us a call at 608 
208-256-2001. And then hit one, we'll patch you through to some folks who are really excited to help you support WORT. Also want to give a little shout out to Cooper's Tavern for making sure we all get lunch after this conversation. Y'all are the best. Um, you, you, John, John Malik built... You built your career um, of executing commissions from nationally renowned dance companies and advocating for representation of black artists. You founded the New York City's Ballet Boys production, um, whose mission is to create pathways for young black men to thrive in dance. How are you bringing that component of who you are and that work to Madison? Madison is far less diverse. It's far mm-hmm. less black. We're about 7% of, of the population here. Yeah. Um, what is it? What has it been like for you to, you know, start to, to do this work in a space that is so dominantly white? Yeah. Um, well, a little bit about Ballet Boy production. So I started that as a means and a ways to give back to young black men who were interested in pursuing careers within the classical and contemporary ballet world. And that basically came out of my own lack of mentoring and um, education and opportunities. So I wanted to make sure that I created a pathway for young men to be able to have that, have mentoring, have education, have the performance opportunities that they so rightly deserve without having to go through the rigmarole or the the um, disadvantages that I went through and also not having someone to talk to. Mm. So that was the main purpose of that. And so that mission is within me. It carries everywhere that I go. So moving into Madison and moving into this position as the artistic director of Madison Ballet, it is simply just to give opportunities to those who do not have, you know. So already this year I have commissioned um, three female choreographers of color to work with us. The first one... Um, or actually a, a one that's coming next week, Usha Marie Sozano. She is a former dancer of the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. And I, I we've known each other since we were 14. We went to Dance Theater of Harlem together in the school. And I keep notes and tracks of those kind of interactions and those people to make sure that, you know, when I have the moment, I'm, I'm bringing you in. I also have a guest dancer here right now, Devon Doan, who... I have known since he was 18, and he danced in my company, Ballet Boy Productions. He is a former dancer with Dance Theater of Harlem for 10 years, and he still is on a journey of showing the world that he is just as good as anyone else that you've seen in ballet. And so when I knew I needed a guy, I called him right away and I said, hey, do you think you want to come? He was like, absolutely. And he's been here and he's been having a great time, and I'm excited for the audiences here to see him perform in this wonderful classical ballet, Paquita Suite, um, which has also been staged by another black female um, ballerina. She is a former dancer with Dance Theater of Harlem, also under Arthur Mitchell. For She was a principal dancer there, so at the highest rank of her of her um, talent. And she's she was here for two weeks and she staged a ballet. And it was just wonderful to see her in her element that so many places have denied her mm. the opportunity to really show what she can do and to see her in the studio with 19 dancers, leading, charging, inspiring, giving corrections, giving notes, being stern, being jo- jovial. You know, like that, that that's my whole, like, it's not over, but you know, I do feel like I've, I, I'm, I'm accomplishing what I was set out to do because I'm not here just to entertain or to put lovely dances on stage because that, that will get us nowhere. I have to keep the ball moving. I have to try to make this a really diverse playing field because it still is not, sadly, in 2023. I think when people think of ballet, they think of kind of the the discipline and the pain and the athleticism mm-hmm. um, that ballerinas put into their craft. Yeah. Um, I think when you when you talk about kind of diversity and inclusion in ballet, there is a, a sense that um, ballet is fair because either you can do it or you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, what what was it like for you to to navigate that space coming from your background and to realize that that maybe isn't kind of the normal background for ballerinas, um, that ba- ballet has been associated with affluence, it has been associated mm-hmm. with whiteness, um, and, and what did it mean for you to kind of integrate those spaces or, or claim space within ballet for yourself? I mean, I mean, it was hard. <laughs> I mean, it was it was really hard. I mean, I, I tell this to a lot of people, you know, to walk into a ballet studio in the first day and the company is completely white, we're talking about 30 to 40 white people and you're the only black person there, 
it's intimidating. It's scary. It's a little bit crazy. Um, and it gets you ready for Madison, Wisconsin. And it gets you ready for Madison, Wisconsin and the life beyond. <laughs> but, you know, actually what I have found is that I've never had an issue with the dancers that I work with. Mm. I feel like even as a child in an all-white ballet school, I never had an issue with the children and the my peers that I was dancing with. I was invited to their homes on their vacations to spend time with their families. Now, I don't know if they were doing it out of charity or what, but... I didn't ever feel like, oh, come here, little black boy. Let us, you know, take care of you or anything like that. No, they just treated me as like, oh, you're a, a student dancer with my daughter. You know, come join us. You know, you're cool. <laughs> so I, I enjoyed that. It wasn't until I got in the professional world when money starts to get involved mm. that I started to notice the the racism and the lack of opportunities for black people and the lack of representation of black people, unless it was under very specific guidelines you know i was in one company where i only danced if the other black girl in the company danced so if she was injured i was out and i was just like this is weird you know Mm. um so I'm, i'm i'm really trying to share these stories not to make anyone feel bad about themselves but just to shed light on sometimes i don't even know if it's a real racist thing it's more of a a a subconscious thing that you're just kind of inherent with that you think this is how it is, this is how it should be. When it's like, no. I love Alonzo King's um, phrase that he says, if your ballet company does not reflect the world around you and your city that you live in and the, and the people that you serve, you should not have a ballet company. So my main goal in life is to make sure that everywhere I go looks like the world that we live in because the thing that everyone has to wake up to, no one's leaving. The gays are not leaving. The blacks are not leaving. The white, the whites are not leaving. Nobody's leaving. So we got to learn how to get along. It's true. And share this world because it's not going to change. <laughs> well, and, and I think that, you know, as a person who exists as both like a black person and an out member of the LGBTQ community, I think you know, creating expansive relationships with who we are and where we can be Mm -hmm. is really important. But I so deeply appreciate you talking about kind of the struggle that it is to to come into a space and know that your identity uh, isolates you. You know, I, I remember being in like a 500 person lecture at one point. And knowing that any time I was late, any time mm-hmm. I was missing, everybody oh, in that space they, knew they know, because you, if you looked around the room, there was only one person oh, yeah. in that space who looked like oh, me. Yeah. Um, we want to make some space on the airwaves right now here on WORT 89.9 FM Madison for Bria Brown. Bria, how you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you doing? Oh, you know, getting to talk to you and see your gorgeous self is always like a highlight. So how are you? How are you? How's Big Share treating I'm, you? I'm good. You know, it's been a long morning, but I'm I'm having a good time. I'm loving having I'm loving listening to this conversation that y'all are having because I am a baby theater nerd. Mm-hmm. And it is just like so fun and interesting always to me to hear people hear, like talk about their lives as theater or sorry as arts professionals and so i'm really really grateful to listen to this conversation thank you for joining the conversation and for you know celebrating black people in in the arts right like we gotta lift each other up yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so thanks for having me we're yeah we are having a big share today and wrt is a member of community share so we're super excited to to like be connecting with y'all in this way today And also, in general, we're just so grateful for WORT's overall support of Community Shares organizations um, all throughout the year. Like, our organizations are lifted up on WRT airwaves all the time. So y'all are an incredible member to have at TSW. Thank you so much for saying that. Thanks for supporting our work. And thank you for, you know, making sure that people give today during the Big Share to WORT. If you want to celebrate the Big Share, you want to celebrate Pledge Week, the number is 608-256-2001. Press 9 and we will patch you through. We have folks out there who are waiting for your call. Huge shout out to Ashley, Ben and Gil. Biggest shout out ever to Jade. Um 
me and Jade have been working together since dawn. We were working together to to make the big share happen, and then we both bopped on over here to W O R T to make this happen. Um, she's looking so cute today in her outfit that like has hues of the colors of her glasses. I'm gonna describe it because you all can't see. This is a radio. Um, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful day out and it's a great day to support your local artist, your local movement, your local leaders, your local non for profits, definitely your local radio station. W O R T has meant the world to me since I was a kid. We got Maya Pearson, the vice president of the Board of Education in the studio. Yes, yes, and you know, W O R T I grew up listening in my household. It was on the Saturdays we would play the music. <laughs> And we would have to clean, mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, right? Every black household. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what are, what are weekends for? So yeah. So exactly. just you know, make sure that if you want to make a donation to us, make sure you give us a call at six zero eight two five six two zero zero one, and make sure you hit that number one extension, um, and make a donation. We're looking for six donors today. We are. We're looking for six donors, and we're about halfway through. So be our first donor. Get us started. Um, we're we're relying on you to keep the lights on to make sure that this little mom and pop shop <laughs> of local media um, is around for a very very long time. So whatever you can do helps, but please give us a call at six zero eight two five six two zero zero one. This is W O R T eighty nine point nine FM. I'm your host Ali Maldro. This is a public affair, and we're talking to Jean Malik, who has taken over Madison Ballet. Um, I want to ask just a little bit about kind of how how you knew you were going to do this professionally in the long run. Because I think a lot of times when you go into the arts in general, people are like, that's not a real job. Mm-hmm. You're never going to make any money. Oh, doesn't yes. come with health care. What you really trying to do. Um, and I think with dance, that's actually intensified because dancers have a, a career that is sometimes, um, you know, shortened by by the level of athleticism mm-hmm. that it mm-hmm. takes right are are you are you still dancing and performing what does it look like at this point in your life um to Me? be a professional dancer no <laughs> no i retired uh 13 years ago oh, wow. so yeah so i i no longer perform anymore although madison may get a sneak peak of me dancing next year we'll see if my We're body living can, for it my body can come back to it but no i retired 13 years ago um it is very hard and strenuous on your body we are basically athletes. We're artistic athletes, as I like to say. Um, but the wear and tear on your bodies, I've had two knee replacements. Um, numerous dancers have had ankle surgeries, and I don't have an L4, L5. Um, so that's my lower back. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it, we go through the same it's this, the same amount of injuries as a football player does. It's that kind of impact. It's that major on your body. And so your career is a lot shorter. Generally, I started when I was 16 um, and I danced for a good almost 30 years, uh, 20 years, excuse me. And um, that was that was enough. I went after my knee surgeries and my back. I was just like, I'm good. And I never really wanted to be a dancer, actually. A little a little um, behind the scenes story there. Um, I always wanted to be a choreographer because the first um, choreography I saw outside of classical ballet was a piece by Ulysses Dove called Urban Folk Dance on the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. I was around 11 or 12 or 13, somewhere in between there. And I sat in that seat and I was just in tears. I was so emotionally drawn in by the story, the physicality and the beauty that he created. And I was like, whatever it is that he does, that's what I want to do. So I found out he was a choreographer and then I kind of was like, okay, I guess in order to do that, I have to become a dancer. So I just delved in, studied, became a dancer, um, and eventually had a wonderful performing career. I'm not gonna knock that, I loved it. But it wasn't like my passion. My passion was really to move bodies around in space to show the stories that were all in my head of what I wanted to see on stage. And so I just kind of went on that path and I never thought that I would become an artistic director of a ballet company. Um, although my teachers growing up at Ailey, at Joffrey Ballet, they all told me like, you have leadership quality. So you might want to think about, you know, becoming a, a leader in this in this field. And here we come again, full circle around. There's no black people running ballet companies. So I was like, uh, unless I take over Dance Theater of Harlem, and at that time, Arthur Mitchell was still very vibrant and alive, I had no desire or no kind of path forward to become a director of a ballet company. 
Um, so I was grateful for the opportunity um, that Madison Ballet gave me. Um, I interviewed right before the pandemic happened. So it was a three year process. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was a, I, I mean, literally a month before the pandemic hit, I had interviewed and it went really well and they invited me out and then everything got shut down. Um, so it was almost a year and a half, no, two years later that they called me and they were like, hey, remember us in Madison Ballet? And I was like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do remember you. And everything just started rolling from there. I came out, I interviewed with the dancers, I met with the board, um, I met with the staff of Madison Ballet and everything was kind of on and popping, as I like to say, from that point on, you know, and I, I, I moved here in August of 2022 and it's been nonstop since. Yeah. So mm. it's, um, you know, everybody is going to have to stop dancing at some point, you know, and what you choose to do after that, I think, should be an infinite amount of possibilities. Because, I mean, dancers are extremely smart. They're uh, I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with the amount of um, passion that these individuals have to put your body through what we put it through. You know, it, it, it requires a kind of a genius mind, you know, mm. to make yourself go in every day for eight hours a day in front of a mirror, <laughs> judging and dissecting your body. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Like that, that's some kind of genius kind of almost, <laughs> you know, I, they should do a study on it, but it's it's kind of genius in a way, it's kind of torturous in a way, but to be able to arise above that, to put yourself out there and say, here I am fully as myself, you know, that's, that's, that's a lot. And I think these make amazing leaders because all the people that I know from my company, Ballyware Productions, They've all gone on to do great things. One person just became like a junior Senate seat holder in D.C. The Get other it. one is um, he actually just became executive director for a brokerage firm in California. So, I mean, like our our opportunities are like and our possibilities are so vast, you know, so it's just about recognizing and realizing talent and fostering and nurturing and, and, and helping that just become whatever it needs to become, you know. Mm, I so uh, appreciate that. And also, I think, you know, it sends a really interesting message to the young people here in this community, to young black people, to young black men mm -hmm. specifically, about what kind of possibilities there are for yeah. you in the future and how many ways you can exist and be celebrated and be yeah. successful. Yeah. And, you know, the thing about sorry not to cut you off, but the thing about money, like, no, dance does not bring a huge amount of fortune. I mean, there are some. Misty Copeland is doing quite well for herself. Get it. Um, which she rightfully deserves. Um, but there is there is a path forward in having a life that you are happy with. You know, you're not, I, I'm not ever expecting to be the richest person. If it happens, it happens. But the way I am fulfilled in my life by being able to wake up every morning and do what I love since I was four years old, I mean, it can't get any better than this. I don't go to bed at night. I mean, it's hard work. It's hard work being an executive and artistic director of a ballet company. But I never go to bed at night and say, oh, gosh, another day. You know, I, I, I go to bed at night saying I can't wait for tomorrow mm. to get another opportunity to do what I love. And to be able to do that for over 30 years is like mind blowing to me. And I think that's not how we talk about like our careers and our yeah. lives. Like we talk about money Make and resources money. and stability, and we don't necessarily talk about the importance of being inspired by what you mm -hmm. do, of loving what you do, of believing in what you do. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm here at WORT eighty eighty nine point nine FM every Tuesday because I love the opportunity to get to have these yeah. kinds of conversations and to get to share them with people like Maya Pearson and Jean Malik is such an honor and a gift and to share it with all the folks who are out there listening. And we can only do that because of your support. So give us a call at 608-256-2001. Be the first person to donate this hour. Celebrate, you know, the kinds of conversations we get to have, the, the inclusion that Madison is embracing. It feels like Madison is more and more excited to celebrate the leadership of black people, to see black mm -hmm. people in roles that they have never been in before. And I think once you get over kind of the, the tokenization of that or the fetishization of that, mm -hmm. you have to acknowledge that with that comes real significant change. Yeah. Um, you don't you know, work your whole life to be able to, to lead within a space, um, to keep that space the way it was when you got there. What are the, the really significant changes you want to make to Madison Ballet? And how do you hope that those changes kind of ripple throughout our community? Yeah, I mean, it, it all has to do with diversity. You know, I have a strong passion and desire to diversify the company as much as I can. 
we have dancers from China. We have dancers from Brazil. Um, we have a black woman joining next season, which I'm so excited about. We have black men that are with us. We have white people with us. We have the full spectrum. We have gays. We have straights. We have everything that you could think of. Um, and I just want to keep building on that because I think, like I said earlier, if your company or your arts organization doesn't represent the community that you're serving, then why are you doing it? Mm. What are you What are you here for? And even though I think the diversity here is going to continue to grow because I have seen some growth since I've actually been here just, just for seven months, I think that's going to be the ripple that it just it it shows like how much greater Madison will be with a truly diverse community, you know, from mm. everybody because. I lived in New York City, so you know I am around everything that you could think of. <laughs> it's a sincerely international yeah, city. Yeah, it truly, it truly is, and that kind of energy I just can't describe it. It's just, it's, it's just fascinating, and it's wonderful to learn from so many different people and backgrounds of where they come from. That's the most important thing to me is just taking in people's experiences and where they come from and learning about them, so you can have a broader acceptance and understanding of people. You know. Because I think if we stay, even for black people, if we stay in our shallow little mindset boxes of this is all I know, this is all I want to know, where are we going to go as a people, any people, uh, as I a so, human race? I know? so appreciate you speaking to kind of the, the narrowness or boxes. And I think, you know, one of one of the things I think about in, in talking about ballet um, is just like, I guess, some of the homophobia that mm-hmm. exists in talking about men in the arts oh, yeah. and talking about men in dance particular. And mm-hmm. I think ballet probably has its own heightened version of, of that. Um, how, how, how have you, you know, addressed the, the way folks think about masculinity mm-hmm. um, and have to redefine masculinity in order for you to, to be a ballet, ballerina, in order for you yeah. to, to be in that to space? To be a male, a male ballet dancer or a ballerina. Um, for me, I'm a black queer man living in Madison, and I choose to express that. Usually everywhere I go, I mean, today I'm in a tracksuit, which I love. I love my Adidas, shout out. <laughs> um, but like, if you've come to the shows, if listeners, if you've come to the show, you've seen in my curtain speeches, you have seen everything on me from a tux to a three-piece suit to a dress to a skirt to a button-down shirt to some, you know, jeans and a t-shirt. You know, I show the spectrum of a male presenting human mm. without a without a, a masculine or feminine attached to it because I don't understand that it doesn't it does, it's never lived in my world thankfully I had very progressive parents and family members who never cared that I was queer never I mean they knew before I knew and and they made me feel just as validated and important as my brothers and sisters mm. who were not queer you know so I, I, that's just naturally who I am and how I walk around and how I live my life. And I try to be a representation of that. Like, don't don't judge a person based on their femininity or masculinity. Because the thing in ballet and the thing with dance is when I tell male dancers, you got to have both. You got to have both. You have to show the strength, of course, because you're lifting these girls over your head and you're you're pretending and make believing that you're their lover. But there's a there's a delicacy and a vulnerability that you have to show also. And you see how I didn't have to use the word, there's a femininity. That's not a femininity. It's just a delicacy and a vulnerability. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make you any less of a man. It doesn't make a woman less of a woman if she's asked to be a little more stern and hard and, you know, and, and, and straightforward. It doesn't change who you are as a person. It's just different flavors to add to life, to add to connections, you know? Uh, I cannot thank you enough for for speaking to that. And I also just want to give a shout out to your family, um, because I think there are so many young people who don't have that at home. And it makes every other space that much more challenging. I wish wish my mom was still alive. I wish my dad was still alive because I would thank them. And even my aunts and uncles, I would thank them immensely because they didn't know no better. These are people. My family comes from Alabama originally. My grandfather used to tell me or his mother, my great grandmother used to tell me stories about her picking cotton. Mm. So, you know, that's where I come from. And these are the same people who raise a little black queer boy to feel just as empowered as anybody else. So that's, I mean, how progressive is that? You know, these people did not know. They knew nothing about ballet, nothing about the arts, nothing about being queer or, or gay or homosexual or anything like that. And they just went in and just shared love. 
That's mm. what, that's all they did. And let me be who I needed to be and let me become who I wanted to become without judgment. Does that, you know, fundamentally change your approach to supporting young people or where do where do young people and kids fit into Madison Ballet? How do yeah. how is working with with our yeah, with our we, youth we, work? We have a we have a school. We have the School of Madison Ballet um, and we have uh, outreach work that we do and I definitely part of my goal and mission is to do more of that and to reach more communities and reach communities of color to let them know that this is a possible avenue this is a possibility we had a wonderful um, partnership with the Bayview Foundation and they had um, eight young people from Bayview uh, I think we had about six we had six boys one non-binary and one female and they were all of color from different places. Uh, one from Lua, I don't remember, somewhere in Hawaii. <laughs> um, black people, Asian people, all over. And these eight kids, I was just like blown away. They have no dance training, but they had to come up with dances. They were It was a young choreographer's program. And they came up with these dances that my friend and I were sitting there like, what? This is crazy. And the beauty of it is I told each and every one of them afterwards, you can become anything that you want to become. If you are interested in dance, come and try it. See what happens. And next week we have a young man coming from that program to the school to try it out. And they asked yesterday, what what can he wear? Because I know the ballets, you know, you wear your tights and you do, do, do. I said, you can come in basketball shorts and a t-shirt and his socks. He'll be fine. Yes. We just want to see him move. We want to give him the experience to see if this is something that he wants to do. You know? Because the thing is, everybody's not going to become a dancer. Mm. It, they're just not. But I think educating people in the arts and dance is important because these are the people that will then go on to be advocates of the arts. But a person without any kind of touch, feel, emotional connection to the arts will never become advocates for the arts because they don't understand. I appreciate the honesty of not everybody's going to become a dancer. Oh, yeah. Um, because it is competitive. It is skillful. It's a lot of, of talent. And I remember watching a documentary about ballet specifically and really young people mm -hmm. being super you know, I'm given six hours of their day to ballet. Mm -hmm. um, and I was watching it with a friend and she looked over me at, at me and said, I don't think I could ever make my kid do something <laughs> like that. And I was like, yo, nobody is making these kids no. do this. No. Because in the documentary, there's this like one little kid, he's like gifted. Mm -hmm. Everybody's like, you're the best. And he's like, actually, I just really want to play video games. So no. Um, and then oh, his, yes, I know what you're talking yes, about. Yes, and then his sister, his who sister, they, they were like, eh, she's now a world-class physician. Yes, she's and they a kept, doctor. They kept being like, she is not as talented. She was like, I don't care. This is mm -hmm. like what I love. Yeah. Um, and so like making space for something where a young person can struggle to get better at mm -hmm. it, um, can fail within that space and still be safe and protected. Oh, yes. Um, and you know, the, the skills that go beyond dance, right? That the skill that is. Dance. I mean, I did not have social skills growing up. No, I did not. I'm, I'm one of seven. I'm the middle child. So, you know, one of three seven. older, three younger. I'm there in the middle. So I was like quiet, didn't say a word. But once I got into ballet, my social skills grew so much. Because um, I remember my friends went the first time they came to see Madison Ballet this year. And I had to do my curtain speech. And they were like, wow, we never knew that you were like this public speaker or anything like that. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I've, I've had to learn through dance. Like, it's not just about the bodies communicating on stage. As a person running the organization, I have to be able to communicate that through words and through my stories and through my, my journey, you know. But dance really taught me that. It taught me um, discipline primarily because, like, I, I'm grateful for my parents, but they were crazy. I had a lot of turmoil in my house. I mean, they weren't fighting or anything like that, but my mom was insane. I love her to loved her to death, but she was a wild free woman. And as a child, that just looks like your mom is just crazy. And I was just like, yeah, she is. But within that, I didn't really have a lot of discipline stuff set on me. Like I was able to do what I want, go where I want, da da da. But when I walked in that ballet studio and it was so quiet and I noticed nobody was talking, I was like, oh, I'm at home. And then when I noticed how much discipline it took to be in there for six hours, eight hours a day, dedicating yourself to standing in front of a mirror, dissecting and picking yourself apart, I thrived in it. Mm. It, 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 it. It still thrives in me, I, just that amount of discipline. And it's not in a way that ever made me feel like, I hate discipline. No, it, it, it made me feel like this is a means to get to this. And then once I get to this, I'll see if I still want to do that. And if I don't, I'll do something else. 
you know. Mm-hmm. That's so powerful to hear. Maya, you're sitting over there with a, a bunch of little notes. <laughs> Tell us what's going on. I'm ready to hit this. Yes. This. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for pledging. Yes. So we got a donation and this person Oh, we just got another paper. Okay. <laughs> Scott Maxwell, they donated online. Um, and you can also donate online at wardfm.org. Um, and they said, power to the people. Yes. <laughs> and it's their first time donating. Oh, so I love that. Thank you. Shout, Scott out, shout out to Scott. There's yes, all kinds of firsts yes. happening. Yes. And then we have Dave from Barbados. Yes. Um, donated online as well. Um, and then we Dave got, from Rihanna's homeland <laughs> came out the woodwork to do, we see you Dave thank okay. you thank you Dave you so much up. right and then another online donation from Jason um, and he is getting the sticker set thank nice. you Jason we see you thank you all for giving you mm-hmm. can still give we've got tons of time left in this conversation the number is 608-256-2001 huge shout out to vice president of the madison metropolitan school district's board of education maya pearson in the <laughs> yes, house yes period <laughs> bringing in the donations i i feel like it's hard not to talk about the the more um the the part of ballet that i'm i'm critical of mm-hmm. which is you know you you've talked a lot about like you know, picking yourself apart. And I have three little girls, mm-hmm. um, and two of them have, have participated in ballet, at storybook ballet. Um, and my oldest actually was was pretty good at it. She had a lot of, of love for it, and I had this immediate fear um, mm. that she would not like her body if mm. she did it in the long run. Mm. I, I wanted to protect her from some of kind of the eating stuff that I have heard can mm-hmm. be really associated with ballet um, and other like body image yeah. stuff, and I think that that can be intensified yeah. there's um, a, there's as, as a black person, you yeah. know. So, so can you talk a little bit about like, you know, the the expectation of the body, what's considered beautiful, what's kind of the desired mm-hmm. physical, you know, reality of of a ballet dancer, yeah. um, and what it's meant to you to yeah. to confront that. That's the ugly side of this beautiful art form, is um, you know, how can I give this story? So ballet started here relatively late in comparison to how old it is. Um, America was one of the last countries to really start ballet. And it really started to pick up once this choreographer from Russia moved here named George Balanchine. And he presented New York City Ballet, which uh, wasn't called ballet, New York City Ballet at the time. It was called Ballet Society. Um, and it, it, it eventually became New York City Ballet. And he changed the game. He changed the art form. Um, as far as the choreography is concerned, the physicality, the musicality, the the ideas that Americans had about ballet. But what he came with also was the baggage of the European aesthetic, which you had to be white. You had to have a small head, long neck, thin body. And that grossly just filtrated into all of the thoughts and the processes of most American companies from that point on, even to today, unfortunately. But there is a new generation, I'm here to tell everybody, there's a new generation of leaders, including myself and other people that are, you know, non-black. I'm not just talking about black people. This is everybody. There's a new generation of leaders who are coming along who are protesting against that, you know, saying bodies are beautiful. And you'll see in Madison Ballet, we have a variety of shapes and sizes. And I, I, I want that to be represented because I don't want to just represent colors on stage i want to represent bodies and people you know um it's a you know it's 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 an art form just like being an athlete there's certain criteria that you need to have um so those are the given things but that to me is musicality coordination and some kind of passion and drive for it beyond that i feel everybody should have the freedom to express and enjoy and explore ballet as much as possible that's where i have an issue with it if you do if you want to deny children from expressing themselves and enjoying themselves and learning something that's where that's not right who gave you the right to to deny this child that opportunity this person might not be right for your ballet company but they might be right for somebody else's ballet company you never know or they might be right to make their own ballet company or make their own ballet company there's nothing wrong with that but to deny any person the opportunity is the is just that's nuts to me and that that will never be me like i I don't i don't get it it does not um sit in my spirit it does not sit in my soul 
Um, I refuse to even go to companies who still have that kind of um, idealism that it's white, it's skinny, it's, it's and that's what it is. Because I'm like, I don't know what world you live in outside of your bubble, but that's just not the world we live in. So, Have you seen dancers or have you yourself ever felt the, the pressure to conform, to change the way you look, to try to adhere to the aesthetic oh, that is most valued by yeah, the art form? Of course. Not, not so much for myself. I mean, I'm fortunate that um, I'm a male dancer um, and they, we, 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 we get away with a lot. <laughs> You're like, be, we're so rare yeah, that we I, get I to do our thing. <laughs> mm-hmm, I recognize my privilege in that. We, we're we so, we're still rare. It's very few of us still um, that do this professionally and at a high quality level like I did, um, that we, we don't really get the same amount of burden that the women get. But the women, definitely, I've seen it. I've seen them try to starve themselves to get thin and do all kind of things just to fit what they think the director wants and the audience wants and the donors want. And it's, it's, it's just heartbreaking to me because I've known some amazing dancers who had to stop dancing way too soon because of eating disorders and things like that. But I, I'm, I'm glad to say that that has slowly been dying and there's less and less of that because you have a lot of women who are now finding their voice and speaking up. And I'm also that kind of director. I tell my dancers every day, you have a voice. You're not here just to show your body on stage and show your art form and do that. You have a voice. Speak up. Like if, you, if something is not right, speak up about it. Don't don't feel like because it's, it's a it's an art form where you go into a classroom, like I said, and it's quiet. There's no verbiage between the student and the teacher. It's it's watch, learn, repeat. So you already get embedded with that idea as a student, but it's it's I'm breaking that chain. I'm breaking that habit of where you feel like you don't have a voice. You don't have any thought process about what's going on around you. This has been a male-dominated art form for over 100 years. Mm. Where are the female leaders? Mm. They're coming out. There's 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 much more now than there was ever, but we 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 still have a lot ways a lot of ways to go, but I think we're making strides, like I said with the new leaders who are taking over. I think we're making strides to really um change the perception of what ballet is. When you think about that first person who told you you have a gift, you can do this. She stood up and it was like that fame moment. Mm-hmm. Do you do you try to give that moment to the the dancers that you work with? When when it's genuine, when you're like, "Yo, yeah. You could make a career out of this. Are there folks where you're like, I don't know if anybody's ever told you this, but. Absolutely. You know, oh, yeah. When and you, what's, what's that like? When you see those, because you do, you see those certain people. It's not, like I said, dance. everybody's not going to become a dancer. So you got, as, look, think about it as a student body of 100. All 100 of those are not going to become dancers. But I'm not going to deny any 100 of them from becoming. But you do see certain gems within that and you see them and you snatch them up and you you, you let them know like you've got it because there, there's just certain people who just have it it's just natural all you got to do is train it refine it and put it out there for whatever they want to do and they you know i was one of them so i i definitely see it and i try to do that i mean that's just you know my right to give back for for young folks who are maybe growing up in poverty, maybe have less opportunities to get involved in dance at an early age, I think sometimes you feel like you're you're starting from behind. Mm-hmm. You're like everybody else in this ballet class oh, yeah. has been doing this since they're three, and here I am, and I'm eleven. Um, you know, I I know Maya, your your child's been into dance for for a long time. What has what has it meant for Mahalia um, to to cultivate herself as an artist? And, you know, navigate, you know, the opportunities that are different for her in comparison to other young people. Yeah, I think earlier in the conversation when you spoke, um, when we spoke about leadership Mm -hmm. and harnessing that and certain skills that you wouldn't necessarily attribute to dance and the art forms. Um, Mahalia definitely blossomed. She didn't really have many friends as a a young child. Um, And you know, when she became a dancer, she started blossoming mm-hmm. and getting all these friends. And then it was the leadership piece. Mm-hmm. She started noticing that she was a leader and then she became the captain of her team. Yeah. And then, you know, so it's even now she's not doing much dance anymore. Um, however, like at school, she still has those skills that are constantly oh, yes. being refined yeah. in different ways. So, yeah. I mean, there's not to cut you off, but there's one thing that always rings in my head. And it's from a, a quote from Arthur Mitchell. And when we came into the school, he was like, you all are walking into my school. 
some of you are going to walk out as dancers, some of you are not. But I can guarantee you, all of you are going to walk out as leaders. Yes. He said, you're studying dance to become a dancer, but if that doesn't happen, I guarantee you can walk into a bank, any five Fortune, uh, Fortune 500 company, walk in anywhere, because the way you carry yourself, the way you speak, the way you have authority over yourself, they're going to pay attention to you. You're going to get a job. I'm telling you, that posture does not go away. No, it doesn't. I'm telling you, it just does not I'm, go I'm away. I'm walking down the street here all the time, and you're like, are you a dancer? I'm like, ugh. <laughs> How did you know? They're like, well, look at how you walk, and I'm like, what oh, God. gave it away? I uh, saw you. I saw you at Overture, and yeah. I was like, that's you. Yeah, <laughs> like, it happens everywhere. Uh, you can't um, lose it. <laughs> yes, I'm like, you are recognizably in charge of ballet here yeah. in Madison. What advice do you have for like little you or young black youth or young youth of color who maybe don't know if they should even try because they haven't had the same opportunities yeah. as other people. Yeah, and I'm thinking about your daughter also. It's mm-hmm. like, um, like I said, I think representation is the biggest thing. I don't wanna get crying and emotional here. <laughs> representation is the biggest thing, but I would definitely tell all young children as to, especially, oh my God, these people, nowadays you have more access than ever to see possibilities. I didn't have that. There, If I wanted to see dancers, I had to go to the library, go through the catalog, find a VHS. Oh, goodness. You, yes, yes, that's how old I am. <laughs> I'm not I'm not an eight-track person, but I'm almost there. Um, but yeah, I used to have to go to the library, look up the catalogs, get the VHS, take it home, rewind, play, da-da-da. You have these smartphones with YouTube, infinite accessibility. So my 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 point is that young people have more access than ever if you are interested in something research it find it find that inspiration it is way more accessible to you now because i guarantee you you may feel like this is something that you're going into alone but you're not there are people that came before you there's arthur mitchell there's misty copeland there's judah jameson there's alvin ailey there's ulysses dove there's usha maria Sozano, there's andrea long there's so many people that have come before them that have created these monumentous careers within the art form that you can look up to and find inspiration from. And then my second point would be to people who are listening that are leaders of whatever organization you are, seek out people and mentor them, guide them, help them along the way because they will be a reflection of you in the future. Just like I spoke about Kenya in the beginning of this, I hope one day somebody says, you know, John Malik gave me my first break and I'm grateful for him. He was hard on me or he was nurturing to me or something to me, but I'm grateful that he got me here. So, you know, that's what I encourage both sides to do. It can't just be a one-way street, but we both have to come in our own perspectives and meet in the middle. You know? mm. Well, you heard it here, folks. I'm, I'm so, I've become so much more of a fan of the Madison Ballet <laughs> in this yes. conversation. I'm like, I cannot wait uh, to take my kids to see what you're creating um, and to see how you reshape our, our community. Huge shout out to everybody who gave Biggest shout out ever for my for my beloved dear friend Maya Pearson, my vice president on the on the school board, um, for for pledge wrapping. We have one last donation, I think. Yes, we do. We have Amy. She says that she loves the interview, oh, okay. um, and she says that her three favorite award shows are Saturday World Music and Better Living through Show Tunes. And so, thank you, Amy. You are our fourth our fourth donor and we are still looking for two more you have you still have time there's a couple minutes left so please give us a call at 608-2001 then press nine huge shout out to ben to jade to jean malik to maya pearson uh i'm ali maldro this is a public affair thanks for tuning in y'all